Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. Here we go. Number one, look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. When you went to an early church worship service like this one, only they probably didn't have the padded pews and the climate-controlled buildings, what they were preaching first and foremost was that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And friend, every time we stand in the pulpit to preach, if we're preaching about something that's completely different than that specific subject, at some point during that message, we need to remind people that the most important thing we'll ever tell them and the most important thing we'll ever say is that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That's our message. That's what we preach. That's what they preached, and that's what we preach. And it's not a complicated message. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And today, if you don't know him as your Savior and Lord, I want to tell you today, it's just that simple for you too. That if you will confess with your mouth today that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you will believe in your heart today that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved today. Why? Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You say, Jeff, isn't, isn't there something else to it? Friend, listen, if you're alive and you're healthy, once you're saved, there's a book full of things to come after that. But if you want to be a part of God's family, I've just outlined the plan for you. And yes, it's that simple. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the first thing the early church preachers preached. Number two, I want you to look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul writes and he says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now in the Greek, the translation is so close that we interchangeably use the word bishop, pastor, shepherd, overseer. We're talking about the pastor of a church here. In other words, Paul told Timothy and Timothy would repeat in his messages and Peter would repeat in his messages what they'd heard Paul say and others. Sometime during their messages when they were preaching the gospel to the people that had assembled, they would slip in the words, why don't some of you boys pray that God will call you to preach the gospel? Why don't some of you guys pray that God will give you a burden for souls and call you And folks, I want to say today, that was one of their five main messages. It's a message we need to be preaching today as well because whether you know it or not, there's just not a whole great big crop of God-called, Holy Ghost-filled, Bible-inspired young men coming up waving their Bible saying, I'm called of God to pastor. There just aren't any anymore. 
And one of these days, I'm going to walk out the back doors of this church with my family or God's going to take me in some kind of accident and I'm not going to be here anymore. You're going to put together another pulpit committee and you're going to go look for another pastor and chances are good you're going to have to get one that's a lot older than me to pastor your church. Why? Because there just aren't that many qualified young men out there who are called by God or who are willing to answer the call to pastor our churches. And I'll say to you guys sitting right over here, pretty good looking guys over here and a couple of real ugly ones. God may call you to preach. Now don't you be a Jeff called preacher. You be a Jeff called preacher, you've been a mess. But why don't you pray today that God might work within your heart and call you to preach? There was a day in the life of Jesus where they came to arrest him. Peter instinctively drew his sword out of his sheath and chopped off one of the men that came to arrest Jesus, chopped his ear off his head. Jesus leaned down, picked up the ear, put it back on the soldier's head and said, Peter, put your sword up. This is the plan of God for my life. But please notice when Peter took his sword out and chopped the man's ear off his head, Jesus somewhere else, not there, said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't tell him that that day. My point in all that is this. I'm praying God will raise up some people who will stand for the word of God, stand for the truth of God to be the preachers of the next generation. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying guys from this side all the way down to this side and all the way to the back, those of you that are younger, I'm praying that God will stir in your soul and cause you to be nothing but a preacher. You can't be anything else but a preacher. I'm praying God right now that you'd anoint some of these guys right now and call them to preach. It was the second thing that the early church preachers preached about was the need for God-called, spirit-filled, spirit-led preachers to be called and raised up to preach the gospel. Let me just say this too. Some of you, and I know who most of you are because quite frankly, you've told me to my face. Brother Jeff, we don't like the way you act. We don't like all that carrying on. We just don't like what you do. Well, all right, that's fair. I haven't commented on what you do and I'm a nice guy, I'll hold back. But it's about time these young people got another picture of preachers other than the picture that we're presenting for them of preachers today. You go to the early church services, Peter and Paul could stand up and tell stories about how because they preached the gospel, they got locked in prison and God caused an earthquake to come and shake the jail doors loose and they got freed to the outside. They got to tell stories about having been beaten with whips on their back and having been all these desolate, horrible places. Now today, when kids hear about preachers, well, you come be a preacher and first thing we'll do, uh, amen, uh, we'll tell you, you cannot play any sports now because uh, a preacher wouldn't want to play sports. Uh, and you know, then when you graduate, uh, we'll send you off to seminary. Yes, and we'll get you some nice white shirts and some nice suits and you can dress different than everybody else everywhere you go and you can always be soft-spoken and you can learn how to talk like this because that's how all preachers are supposed to talk. It's no wonder kids don't want to be preachers. We present them as a bunch of puny, panty-waste, know-nothing, do-nothing guys who never walk outside the lines. Ladies and gentlemen, 
It's about time somebody besides James Bond and Indiana Jones got to do all the fun stuff. Guys, let me just tell you, I'm a preacher. I have a great time. I have a wonderful time. I go to ball games. I enjoy my life. I watch the wrestling matches and I love all that stuff. Call boys to be a preacher. It's the last thing they'd want to do. Good night. It's fun being saved. It's fun being a preacher. And yeah, I do watch over my shoulder every once in a while to see what's going on behind me, but I don't watch too close because there's a bunch of stick in the muds out there that want to make you into what they think you ought to be. You be what God wants you to be. God calls you with your personality. All of it when he calls you. Be who God called you to be. Don't be who these fuss budgets want you to be. Be who God wants you to be. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. We need preachers who are God-called and spirit-led for the next generation. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. What else do they preach? Oh, here's a good one. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Now, I can tell you, many Christians have obviously taken this to be their theme verse. Bodily exercise profited little. We've taken it to be our theme verse. We don't exercise. Doesn't profit anything anyway. Paul didn't say don't do it. He didn't say, Timothy, teach him that exercise is not any good. Don't waste any time on it. What he said was, it'll do you some good. It just won't last very long. It won't last very long. This shows us the contrast between the eternal and the temporary. The eternal and the physical. Think about our lives, please, would you? People run all over the place. I see them. I go walking every day now. I'm back at that again. Somebody asked me the other day, said, Brother Jeffrey, you still walking? I said, well, I still can walk if that's what you mean. But I go walking down there and I see people. I mean, they're running like crazy people. There's one guy, I saw him run around Sportsman Lake five times the other day. Now, Dennis, you think you're big and bad out there exercising as much as you do? You go down and run five times around that lake. I, I don't believe you can do it without solving. I saw him do it five times. The whole one time I was going around, he ran around there five times. I can't. <laughs> guy was just traveling on. I wanted to stop him and tell him, Buddy, you look better than me. You breathe a lot easier than I am. But you're going to die and so am I. <laughs> you're going to look better when you die than I do, but I don't think you'll feel any better than I do. The third most important thing they talked about in the New Testament church was that the eternal is going to last longer than the temporary. We spend all of this time to get ourselves in shape. We sign seven-year contracts to pay for our new cars. We sign 30-year mortgages to pay for our houses. And folks, we spend just about, in most of our cases, every bit of that time paying on those loans. And those cars are going to rot and the houses are going to cave in. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're still going to die in your sins and spend eternity separated from God forever and ever and ever in the eternal abyss known as hell. Bodily exercise, the temporary. It'll work for a while, but it won't last long. 
focus your eyes, they said, on what lasts forever. And what lasts forever is eternity. Are you ready for eternity? Number four. Please with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. This is a faithful saying. Boys, this is the word I want you to preach. For if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What are they preaching about here? The promise and the hope, not just of eternity over the temporary, but the promise and the hope of the second coming of Christ and our eternal home in heaven. This was an emotional week for some in our community. Christy, what's that boy's name that passed away this week? Jake Cook? He was over here at the Career Development, Child Development Center here really right across the street church. Jake was 21 years old. He was going to graduate this year. Jake had cerebral palsy and he was deaf. Make a long story short, he was swimming. He drowned. They spent 45 minutes to get a heartbeat back on Jake. But by that time, the brain damage was so severe. And on Thursday, or was it Friday? Friday. The family Jake removed the life support. And he died. That's easy to say just another 21-year-old with cerebral palsy. It was death. Died. So what? But you're not going to say that to Jake's parents. You're not going to say that to his teachers because somehow, some way, his life had a meaning for them. And I watched as my nearly 26-year-old daughter wept over the loss Jake, a 21-year-old boy with cerebral palsy who was deaf, maybe going to graduate high school this year. Friday afternoon, she was getting ready to leave for the ball game, and we were too. And 
I never knew Jake. I didn't know him at all. My connection to him was through her and we prayed for him after his accident. I looked at my daughter and I was overwhelmed myself as I was able to say to her. I said, honey, I'm looking for some way to comfort my daughter who's worked with this boy now in school. Here's where the comfort came from. I thought about him and I pictured him in my mind. And I said, Jake does not have cerebral palsy anymore. He's not deaf today. That's our hope. Julie Ryan is here with me today. She's a friend of mine from Louisville, Kentucky. Julie has fought the battle against breast cancer this year. And for all the money I could put on it, she's won. I'm glad you were here, by the way. You look great. I've watched her fight that battle this year, and we've communicated back and forth. And most encouraging thing I can say to Julie and to you today is we're headed to a place where there is no cancer. And God put the cherry on top. He said not only is there no breast cancer in heaven or any other kind of cancer. I had my own Bob's earlier this year for cancer. Listen folks, not only is it a land where there is no more cancer. God said, by the way I paved the street purest gold. He said the walls that surround the city are of jasper. He said there's not only no cancer here, there aren't any colds. There's no ingrown toenails in heaven. Nothing that hurt us here will ever hurt us there. Chris, there is no neonatal intensive care in heaven. There's no need. We are headed to a land. Some of us sit here today and we hear a story about a 23, 21-year-old boy with cerebral palsy who was deaf, and we don't even give it a second thought. Have you ever stopped to think, what if that had been your child? We get a bill in the mail and it goes up 20% and we're about to pull our hair out and we're upset and we're so mad because we can't pay the bill. Do you know what it would cost you if you had raised a 21-year-old boy with cerebral palsy who was deaf? I don't know about the rest of you, but I think, and I have thought about this a lot over the last couple of days, hey, some mamas and daddies in this place right now when this service is over and you see your young'uns and they're healthy and God's blessed them, you need to wrap your arms around their neck and you need to not only thank them for being such wonderful kids, but you need to thank the God of heaven for giving you children who are healthy and whole. And you need to repent for every minute you've complained about something you could easily overcome. God help every one of us. Focus on the eternal, not the temporary. Focus on the forever. Focus on the reward. Focus on the heaven that's at the end of the way.
That's how quickly it could be over. We sat in the stands for about 40 minutes the other night and watched as a boy from Holly Pond right across the way lay on the field motionless. One hit that quick and two ambulances. They spent 40 minutes getting him on a stretcher and putting him into the back of the ambulance and riding him to the hospital. Thank God we got a good report on that boy, but that's how quick it could have been different. The early church preachers said, no, no, there's a blessed hope for the believer. There is a heaven that waits us where every problem we faced here, we will not face there. Somebody told me one day, they said, Jeff said, I've been coming to hear you preach for a long time. I apologize. I said, I'm sorry. It's no, we've been coming to hear you preach for a long time. Says so one thing I can say about your preaching. I thought they were about to tell me how bad it was. They said, we've never left one of your services where we didn't feel better than we did when we came in. I said, what about those times I preached about hell? They said, you told us how we could go to heaven and didn't have to go there. I felt better. And I got to thinking about it. That's the truth. All of our messages ought to give people hope because we have a future. See, for the Christian, friend, it's never not going to work out. It's always going to work out for the believer. You say, what if we die? Paul said we're a winner either way. To live is Christ. To die is gain. There is a heaven and Jesus is preparing the eternal place of the righteous through Christ where we're going to live forever and forever and forever in a land that's free from pain and heartache and death and care. It's not just something we say. It's a truth that we believe. Jeff, I always feel better when I leave one of your sermons. I thank that man and then I thank God that he had allowed me to look into the scripture and to see that for the Christian we cannot lose. We're headed to a better place. Let me wrap this thing up. There's one more thing the early church preachers preached. Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. This is a faithful saying these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. I told you already in this message how to be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. But listen, if you're still living and you've still got some time to serve, don't stop your good works. They didn't save you and they can't keep you saved. But God has designed the believer to do his work. Now there's some people that have to confuse. They think doing God's work is taking care of the church. I'm sorry, that's not God's work. It is God's work, but it's not God's work for you. It's his work for himself. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why don't some of you who are trying to protect, do all this stuff you do in the name of protecting the church. I want to protect some of the membership of the church. Won't you let God do his job and you do yours? 
Here's what the work of God is not. The work, is, the work of God is not looking at Brother Smith over here and determining that he's not doing as much as you. That's not God's work. Your work is not to go through all the receipts of the church and find out who's participating in the financial aspect of the church and who's not. That's not your work. It's not God's work for you. Your work's to make sure you're participating. Your work's to make sure you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. What we mean by good works here is you're gonna leave here today and all is well. Your good works mean you're gonna read the Bible tomorrow. Good works means you're gonna pray on Tuesday. Good works means you're gonna win somebody to Jesus or try to on Wednesday. Good works are what we do Sunday to Sunday leaving out no days in between. The early church was cognizant of that fact. They knew how important it was, not just that they got what they had to get done at the worship service. They were cognizant of the fact they had to get it done every day. You give me a church full of folks who will take care of their own business and get their eyes off of other people and what they're doing or not doing, get their eyes only on themselves and doing their work for God. You give me a church full of people like that, within one year, we will have the biggest church in Coleman County. Because it's important that we maintain our good works all the time. Every head bowed this morning, every eye closed. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steeles minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.